Thank you for reading the scripture that was Acts 2, 1 through 13 in that new international version, the NIV. And we continue on our series in Acts. And the series on Acts, um, I've entitled this series, the book of Acts, the Spirit-Infused Multi-Ethnic Church. And you may be asking me, what does Acts have to do um, with the multi-ethnic church? I get the Spirit-Infused part because the Holy Spirit as we discussed last week in Acts chapter 1, is a major character or the main character of Acts, um, but the multi-ethnic church. And I think uh, one of the things in Acts chapter 1 um, that was set up is that the command of Jesus to stay and wait in Jerusalem uh, had a second part. And the second part is after the promised Holy Spirit comes upon you, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses um, from Judea, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And in that, built into that, are, is geography. Um, built into Acts is a lot of geography um, as God's desire and the, the movement in the Holy Spirit, which we'll see more as we go through Acts, is to expand who God's people is. It's to expand the witness of the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, to the ends of the earth, to every nation, to every language. And so um, this, the, the, the gospel is basically busting out of its social locale as uh, for the people of Israel, for the people of Israel to be uh, a church for the entire world, for all nations. Uh, and so uh, what are the things that we as a church can learn um, about when it what it means to be infused with the Holy Spirit, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, and how that relates to being uh, a diverse, multi-ethnic church. And it's in the scripture, and oftentimes we overlook this. We miss these parts of cross-cultural relationships um, as we look at the scriptures, but it's definitely here in the book of Acts. Previously on Acts... We remember that in chapter 1 from last week that Jesus ascends into heaven like a rocket. He shoots up into heaven uh, out of sight from the apostles. But before leaving the apostles and going up to heaven, uh, Jesus leaves a command. And the command for his apostles is to stay in Jerusalem and wait for the promised Holy Spirit. And you will be witnesses again to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. After this, the apostles return to Jerusalem and wait together as a family in, in the upper room. And this those presents were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son, son of James. If you notice um, in that list, that's 11 disciples, 11 apostles, the one, the disciples of Jesus, the you remember the 12 disciples of Jesus in the Gospels, minus Judas Iscariot, who uh, committed suicide um, be after having betrayed Jesus. Um, Acts also tells us at the end of chapter 1 that in those days, Peter stood up among the believers. So Peter was, if you will, the lead pastor, the head pastor of this growing movement, of this group of people. And the group of people numbered about 120 um, so this, something's happening, a seed is being planted, but everything is in place. Everyone is in their home waiting in Jerusalem. 
The other thing that happened previously on Acts is that at the end of chapter one, Matthias is selected as the new twelfth disciple to replace Judas the betrayer.、Yes. Um, let's make some observations now、uh, about our passage. In verse one, we see that、uh, when the day of Pentecost came, we're given the day of Pentecost as the setting, as the time.、Uh, they were all together in one place. So the, this family of God, this growing movement, these followers of Jesus、um, are in one place, and it says on the day of Pentecost. So what is the day of Pentecost?、Um, Day of Pentecost.、Uh, Pentecost means fifty, and fifty is for the days after Passover,、um, representing、um, the when Moses received the law from God on Sinai.、Um, supposedly, supposedly was fifty days.、Um, so, Pentecost is all, was also known as the Feast of the First Fruits, or the Feast of Weeks, or the Feast of Shavuot. Um, and it's one of the three times in a year, the three festivals, major festivals、um, of the Jewish people,、um, in which men would have to go to Jerusalem、uh, to make an offering, to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem from wherever they were.、Um, these three festivals, including Passover、um, and this, the uh, Pentecost, um, the Feast of Shabbat. And in this feast of Shabbat, in this Pentecost, on Pentecost, they celebrate Moses' receiving of the law、um, at Sinai、um, by offering、um, their first fruits. Because、um, Pentecost was during the time of the second harvest, around now June, around June, the summertime,、um, when the second harvest comes. So people brought their offerings from the harvest, their first fruits. Um, into Jerusalem and made an offering,、um, and、um, so, needless to say, the the population of Jerusalem swelled. People from all around、um, came into Jerusalem.、Um, so the the God fears those those who were Jews but living in other lands, or those who are gent were Gentiles but converted into Judaism or into the Jewish faith. Um, are coming into Jerusalem to make their offering at Pentecost, and so that gives us a little context. And the main piece of context I want to、um, point out is that between、um, this Pentecost, this giving of the Holy Spirit, gift of the Holy Spirit,、um, here in Acts chapter two, parallels with、um, the giving of the law.、Um, From Moses,、um, you can find that in Exodus 19 through 24. Exodus 24,、um, Moses heads up to the mountain, Mount Sinai, and God gives him the law. There's clouds and fire upon the mountain. The people are awaiting Moses,、um, and he's up in the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, and finally comes down and gives the law、um, from God to the people. So, gift of the Spirit, gift of the law, and kind of this. This theophany, this interruption by God to give to humanity a gift、um, of instruction, of guidance, of comfort. Um, um, so that's、uh, observation number one. The second observation that I wanted to make is one of audiovisual.、Um, audiovisual. So 
when we go back to the passage, uh, it says, they're all gathered in one place. And then in verse two, suddenly a sound like a blowing violent wind, a blowing of a violent wind. Okay, maybe I didn't make the best sound effects in the world, but you get the point. A sound of a violent wind. Um, and it is, well, we should note that it, the scripture says the sound, the sound was like the blowing of a violent wind. We don't necessarily know if an actual blowing wind came in and like, like a hurricane shook everyone and blew everyone's hair up. Um, came from heaven, this wind, and filled the whole house. The sound, the aural, the audio is filling the whole house where they were sitting. And then, here's the visual part. Two senses here, audio, visual, audio, visual. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. Tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So, a blowing violent wind and tongues of fire. Um, um, these are the two kind of sensory um, things that happen, the audio-visual. Um, let's address the sound of the blowing wind first. Jesus with Nicodemus, if you remember in John chapter, uh, Jesus talks about the spirit being like the wind. You, you don't see it. You don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it's going, but you know it exists by its effects. Uh, Jesus associates the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, with the image of wind, blowing wind. Also uh, in scripture in the Old Testament, um, the Hebrew word for spirit, ruach, um, has um, both is the same word uh, for spirit, but also for wind or breath. So wind and breath in the Hebrew ruach is the same word for spirit. So we see again in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, um, wind and God's spirit is connected. In the same way in the Greek, in the, in the New Testament, wind and breath and spirit are the same word as well in pneuma, the word pneuma. Wind and breath, wind and breath. And we see at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, the, this gift that's coming suddenly interrupting, disrupting their waiting, the community of faith waiting, is the sound like that of a blowing violent wind filling the room. Tongues of fire. Uh, remember in Exodus, for those of you uh, in the Old Testament, the Exodus, uh, um, the book of Exodus, the people are going through the wilderness and they're guided by what? A pillar of fire. So, this, this idea of fire being uh, the Spirit of God leading the people through the wilderness and guiding, providing guidance, providing protection um, in the, I guess it's a sword of fire. And also that the image of the Spirit of when the people worshipped the tabernacle, uh, the Spirit of God descends upon the tabernacle um, as a, like a fire, uh, the image visually like a fire. Um, and then finally, the giving of the law at Sinai, Exodus 24, 17. If you looked at it, the smoke covered the mountain as Moses is up uh, atop the mountain, receiving the law from God, interacting with God. 
24, 17, to the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Then Moses entered the cloud as he went up on the mountain and he stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. So in sum, we see throughout the Bible that wind and breath is associated with the spirit of God. Likewise, fire is an image um, that's connected with the spirit of God, with the revelation, you know, God revealing himself to the people, his spirit, um, a fire. Um, and so this is all happening at Pentecost. And if we remember the day of Pentecost, as this is happening, is significant because it's connected to the gift of the law given to Moses at Sinai. Good stuff. Um, the other thing that I wanted to observe in this passage before I go off and start preaching is that um, this notion of separate and together, unity and a diversity. So these two toggle back and forth in this passage. So in verse one, it says they were all together in one place, unity, oneness, sameness. But then uh, and also. Uh, suddenly the wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they're sitting. They're all together in one house. One wind comes and fills the whole house where they were all sitting together, all together. But then in verse three, it says that these tongues of fire separate, that they separated and came to rest on each of them. And I don't know if this was actual fire because if it was actual fire, you know, people would have to have a fire extinguisher, put, you know, if someone really used a lot of product in their hair, that apostle would, their hair would be lit on fire and everyone's scalp would be burning. So I don't know if it was a literal fire, but it's not one fire consuming all of them, encompassing all of them, but it's, the image is the uh, tongues of fire separating uh, and landing on each, above each one. And, you know, I imagine everyone looking at one another and saying, oh, you got a tongue of fire on top of you. You got a tongue of fire. And someone saying, do I have a tongue? Of, am I the only one? Uh, I would probably play a joke on someone and be like, ha, 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 you don't have a tongue of fire over your head. Oh, I don't have a tongue of fire. But you can't check because you might get burned, right? So you're afraid to check. Someone, where's the mirror? Can I see if there's a tongue of fire above me? Anyways. So there's this image of separation, right, on the individual, on each of them. But then in verse 4, we see again, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. There's this oneness and unity, this uh, oneness and unity again, um, a togetherness as no one was left out. It was all inclusive. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. And here's again the separation, other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, one, but they all spoke in other tongues, separate, different. Um, again, in verse 5, Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from one nation? No, from every nation, separate, different, all over the place, under heaven. Every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, however... These, this crowd came together in bewilderment. So 
people from separate places, distinct places, every nation under heaven, came together as one crowd, as one body. Separate, but one. Because each one separate heard in their own language, heard their own language being spoken, right? Individuation, individual, separate. Utterly ashamed, they asked, aren't all these, right? One, all of these, this group of apostles, this family we see here, aren't they all Galileans? One, one, right? And you got to, uh, for those of you listening out there, is there kind of a neighborhood or a region you think of uh, that has kind of, you know, people make fun of that? That, uh, that location or the people that come from, they have funny accents or they're not educated or they're dumb or, you know, they're gross or they're goofy or they're stupid. Uh, when people say, are they all not Galileans? They're almost saying those people from those areas you can think of, we won't name them, right? We won't say like Tacoma people or like, you know, people from like the Sec Brothers. Just kidding. Um, these who are Aren't they Galileans? Aren't they those country bumpkins out there? Like, why are they speaking in our language? How are they so educated? How are they so, uh, so cutting, you know, how are they able to speak to us? How did they learn this? How are they so eloquent and articulate? How are they so convicting to us? They're Galileans. And then once again, how is it that each of us that's the separation, distinct individuals, hear them in our native language. So to go back to the point, separate and together, separate and together, this toggling of oneness and differentness, oneness and differentness in this passage, I think, add to this idea of, in the community of faith, unity and diversity. So in the secular world, and in churches, we talk about unity, unity. Let's, let's, be, let's be all unified. Let's, you know, let's not be disunified. And sometimes when we say that, it's not very deep. It's shallow, actually. And it's scary to some because when we say, let's all be unified, let's all be one, that actually means that other people need to assimilate into the dominant culture, right? Other people of a minority culture need to lose themselves, lose their identity, lose their cultural distinctiveness in order to be a part of the one, right? And, and, and to be different then means to be contributing to disunity. And I don't think this is biblical. This is what the community of Acts, uh, the Holy Spirit is kind of pushing in this new community, in, this, in the early formation of the church, we see this idea of unity and diversity. You may say, Dave, what are you talking about? This has nothing to do with multi-ethnicity or diversity or uh, racial reconciliation or any of those things. Like, how do you see this in this passage? If, if unity is all about making everyone the same and one, then wouldn't the, the miracle at Pentecost be about the flames of fire, right? Coming and speaking one language, 
right? One language, and everybody could understand that one language. But that's not what happened. What happens is the, quite the opposite. Is like everyone gathers and becomes one. The crowd gathers and becomes one mass. But because each one hears in their distinct heart language, the language of home, the language that they they un- grew up with, the language that they understood. And so in this way, we know that the Holy Spirit understands the diversity of God's creation, that the Holy Spirit speaks to the uniqueness uh, of cultures, the uniqueness of personalities, the uniqueness of backgrounds, social economic backgrounds, of geographies, of places. The Holy Spirit understands you, and the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you and connect with you in a way that speaks your heart language, where you're like, ah, I resonate with that. I understand that. But this is also not for you to stay in that, to stay separate. Um, But the Holy Spirit, God is the God who brings unity in his family, not by assimilating and whitewashing everything, but brings unity by speaking to the individual heart and bringing those hearts together, amen? One gospel, one God, one Holy Spirit, one Jesus, many different people. And so uh, the Spirit, uh, the only way that different people with different convictions and different beliefs and different backgrounds and different races and even different language can come together as one family, right, unified, this diversity, this unity, yet diversity, it's impossible, right? You can't do it without having some strong dominant culture saying, everyone must comply to this. Everyone must look like this. Everyone must speak like this. Everyone must drink this type of drink. Everyone must follow this type of rule. Everyone must wear these type of clothes. Everyone must be um, speak this one language. Instead, the uniqueness is all brought together as one family only by the miracle of the Holy Spirit. This is the power that comes from above and the power brings that which is separated, that which is alienated, that which is different, those who are different and brings together as one. And people are in awe. People are like, how is this happening? And a lot of people, when they preach this passage, they, do, they don't even pull out the cultural pieces. They whitewash it. Oh, the Holy Spirit, are they talking in tongues? What does this mean about tongues and speaking in tongues? And they miss what the Holy Spirit is doing. And it's exactly what Jesus said before he left. I will, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Yes, in Jerusalem. But I am going to push that out. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the Gentiles and to the ends of the world. God's plan is to break his people out of their set location, their locale. Not for them to stay, oh, we're Jerusalem. We love Jerusalem. I hang out at that hangout place in Jerusalem. We speak Jerusalem. This is our faith, right? 
But what we're going to see in Acts is it's slowly pushing out. The good news is not just for you in Jerusalem. The church is not just about the church in Jerusalem. It's not just about staying in our corner of the world. But what's going to happen is you've got to share. God wants to share his abundance. And funny that Pentecost, right? The feast of um, the feast at Pentecost, um, the festival of Pentecost was the festival of first fruits, right? The Shabbat was about bringing your first harvest, the abundance. It's recognizing the abundance of God. It was like their Thanksgiving, right? The day of Pentecost, every man brought into Jerusalem their first fruits, and as a celebration of abundance, like Thanksgiving. And in this abundance, God is saying, yes, it's good. Yes, you like it, but I want to take this to the end of the earth. And so we're going to keep our eyes on this when we study, continue to look at Acts. Um, another thing, um, the list of the list of nations here um this is the other point uh, which blows me away when people talk about acts um pentecost and don't even notice the list of nations here um, the point being that parthians medes elamites residents of mesopotamia judea and cappadocia pontus and asia phrygia phrygia Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arab. We hear them, all these nations, all these type people from these places coming into Jerusalem, hear the disciples declaring God, the abundance of God, the good works of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask each other, what does this mean? And so I made a little chart here, or a map. So on the left side here is the nations in Jerusalem at Pentecost. So at, here's the list that we see in Acts chapter 2. And then on the right is the same area, but modern day. It's the Middle East right now. And um, most of this area was under the control of the uh, Roman Empire at the time. Uh, and it's around, you know, a part of the, of the Middle East. So um, I'm just going to, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. So the, the list uh, made here in Acts uh, of ethnicities or languages or kind of nations, uh, areas, um, are paralleled. These are the same as modern-day Iran, Iraq, Kuwait, Syria, Israel, Palestine, Turkey, Egypt, Libya, Italy, and Greece. So Parthians, Medes, Elamites represent present-day Iran. Mesopotamia, modern-day Iraq, Kuwait, and Syria. Judea is the area, of course, around Jerusalem, which is where it all started. Um, and is also a present-day Israel, Palestine. Cappadocius, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Phrygia, however you say that, and Pamphylia are modern-day Turkey. Egypt is Egypt. Cyrene is present-day Shahat in Libya. 
And Rome uh, today is the capital of Italy. Cretans are uh, part of Crete, um, which is an island off of Greece, is now a part of modern-day Greece. And Arabs um, from the Arabian Peninsula, present-day Saudi Arabia. Um, so you can see that just kind of the diversity and the vastness um, of these nations, of these of people, groups coming who are God-fearers into Jerusalem, but then receiving the message of Jesus Christ, the good news. And um, I think we begin to see the genius or the brilliance of God's plan unfolding through the Holy Spirit. And that as, Jesus, as the Holy Spirit is being gifted to the apostles, it's not that, oh, I'm going to take now my gift. I'm gifted by the Holy Spirit. Finally, Jesus' promise has come upon me, and I'm going to go to the furthest land, the furthest known place, that I can, the most remote, and be a missionary and plant my flag of Jesus and tell everybody about that, right? And so all the apostles spread out, right? That's not what happened. What happens is that God brings the timing, the context was perfect for this day of Pentecost. God brings the nations to Jerusalem around the apostles with the giving of the gift of the Holy Spirit. And everyone is cut, is touched, right? Everyone understands the gospel in their language. And what happens after that? They all go, uh, they all go to back home. And I wonder, what if we traced this? Like, what if we traced it like a coronavirus? We traced where these people went and how they witnessed to, into their hometowns, into their home countries, in their native tongue. Like, the, um, how many seeds were planted? How many other people heard? the good news, right? And then as Paul later travels to these places, like, you know, people's hearts were already kind of being massaged. You know, seeds were already planted for the gospel to, to take root and to set. And so the beginning of this immense revolution, this immense viral exponential spread of the gospel has already been set into place just by this you know, this moment, this interruption, this disruption of the gift of the Holy Spirit and these people hearing in their languages. And a lot of people refer to Acts Pentecost as reverse Babel, um, but it's actually the affirmation of Babel, right? At what happens at Babel in Genesis? In Genesis, People in their pride and their hubris are building a tower, tower to God, and act, literally building a monolith. So if you think about it, they are trying to establish the greatness of their culture, of that city, in one monolith to God, right? And so what God does is he mixes their languages so they are spread out across the world. And... Many people look at that and say, oh, it's a curse, right? Cultures are cursed. Languages are, the mixing of languages are a curse. But actually, that's incorrect. That's an incorrect interpretation. 
Actually, at Babel, God gives the gift of language because his point, right? His com original command is what? Be to Adam and Eve and to other people, be fruitful and multiply and spread. That's the promise. But they're trying to build one tower in one place. And so God says, no, 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 no. I'm going to spread you out again. The spreading is the living out of God's missio Dei, of God's intention, original intent, to spread out, to diversify, right? Not to hunker down and become one, right? And so Pentecost is an affirmation of Babel, where if it was reverse Babel, again, the Holy Spirit would make one language and all people would be forced to understand that one language, that one tower. That's not what happens at Pentecost, amen? What happens at Pentecost is God says, I know the language you grew up with. I know the language your mama taught you. I know the language your daddy, when he was punishing you, yelled at you. You know, I, I am Korean-American, second-generation Korean-American, and growing up, uh, my dad was fluent. Uh, he's actually trilingual, Japanese, Korean, and English, fluent in all of those. And so when I was in trouble and he was lecturing us, I felt safe and okay when he spoke in English because it wasn't his first language. He was fluent in it, but it's nicer. English is not harsh, right? English is like, David, you should do, 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 da, 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 da. think about this, da, da, da. But I knew I was really in trouble when he switched to Korean, he'd be speaking in English and switch to Korean and be like, Oh, you're going to go, we're going to go, we're going to go, we're going to go. I'm like, oh no, it sounds so harsh. And I would start crying, right? And um, languages convey different things. Why was I going there with the languages? Uh, uh, Korean is just much harsher. Um, why was I going there? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, God is saying, I know your heart language. I know the language your dad speaks to you when you're in trouble, right? That hits you, right? That reaches you in a different way. Like we, those of you who speak different languages and it's not your first language, you're like, okay, those words impact me or, or kind of like, yeah, when I hear the gospel in my in another language, okay, yeah. But when I hear uh, scripture or singing in my own language, the language that my first language, there's something very different, you know, that can happen. There's something more deep. And God is saying, I love you. I affirm um, where you come from. You, you grew up on that side of the tracks. You're Asian, you're Hispanic, you're African-American, you're white, you're native. Like, I know where you're from. And I'm not going to make you come to me. Right? I'm a gentleman. I'm serving you. I'm going to come to you and speak to you in a way that you deeply understand. That's what's happening at Pentecost. It's an affirmation of Babel. It's saying, God is saying, yes, it is good to have many languages and many nations. I want people to be fruitful and to multiply and spread out. And I want my abundance to go out, not just here, not for you to save it here, 
in your own culture, your own way. But I want it to go out. That's what acts the gospel of the Holy Spirit. That's what's happening here. This is the inception. This is the the Christ, this, the point. Um, the apostles are patient zero, and these people gathered are patient zero for this new virus that's going out. The virus that's going to break down the walls um, of access to the gospel, break down the walls of access to the word of God, break down the walls of access to God and the Holy Spirit by spreading it out and using people um, to spread it out to the ends of the earth. Are you with me, church? Amen. Amen. <laughs> um, and then we look at their reactions. And what are their reactions? There's two types of reactions here. Uh, one group is, um, it says they came together and they were amazed and perplexed. We, we, what is going on? This is amazing. The wonders of God in our own tongue. Amazed and perplexed. Like, we don't understand it, but at the same time, we're amazed by it. Right? We're, we don't understand it. We're perplexed. It confuses us. And yet, it also gives us excitement. Like, this is something good. What does it mean? And that question, what does it mean? That's the beginning of a journey of faith. Amen? It's like when you ask yourself, whoa, this God is do or this happened in my life. You're perplexed, but you're also amazed. A miracle. What does it mean? And if your heart is stirring right now, or things are happening in your life, and you're like, what does this all mean? I'm perplexed by what's happening in my life right now, or I'm perplexed by what's happening around me, but I'm also amazed and I'm also curious. I encourage you to continue to ask that question, but make it a prayer, right? God, what does this mean? What does this mean? Verse 13, however, some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. And in every situation, there are haters, amen, right? You're on Facebook. You, you post something, there's a hater who's going to be like, blah, 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 blah. You don't even know them. They're, they're not even close friends with you. Like, why are you posting on my wall, right? And being a troll, right? There's always going to be haters or doubters or people who say, oh, I know you. You're, you're a Galilean. Or oh, that looks so strange and weird. Like, that doesn't make sense. You must be drunk. You must be high. You must be crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. Shut up. They laugh at you. They don't want to get involved, right? They don't want to kind of dig in more. They see something, but they immediately disavow it. They immediately uh, say, no, that can't be, that's crazy, that's stupid. And they come up with a rationalization rather than personally really kind of dealing with it and seeking, like, what is the meaning of this? They distance themselves by laughing at it. We do this. We do this all the time, right? And uh, so they say, what? Obviously, they're acting weird. I don't understand the, these languages. Maybe even they did hear their own language, but they're like, they must be drunk. 
because drunkenness makes us be able to speak in different languages, right? But uh, they must have had too much wine. But you're always going to have your haters. So there's, that's uh, my final observation of this, that how are we going to react when the Spirit is moving? How do we respond when there's crisis or there's something that we don't understand and God is inviting us to consider something new? I think something is definitely happening happening in the church. You know, the staff and I talk about this on a regular basis. And actually, I talk about this with a lot of my other friends who are pastors. Like, this is an unprecedented time. Like, we are literally waiting for what's going to happen. Are we going to be able to reopen? Are churches ever going to be the same again? What are we supposed to do? Um, What's church going to look like when we come back together? Right? We're perplexed and we're amazed. And the question is, are we going to be open to the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the one, is the power from above. And when the Holy Spirit is working and the church is of one heart and mind, that's when crazy, amazing things happen. Right? The Holy Spirit doesn't move, always moves powerfully when the church is of one mind and heart. The challenges of being of one mind and heart, amen? But the Holy Spirit can help us with that as well. But we need to listen right now because something amazing, God is going to do wonders in the church, but it's going to look different, way different than what we imagine or way different maybe than what we are used to. Church could look very different When we come back to our buildings, maybe we never come back to our buildings, whatever. God is doing something new. Amen. God is renewing things. Hashtag be renewed. People are brought into one place and locale, not to stay, not to be assimilated into the culture, but to hear their own heart language and then to return to their home where they will be witnesses to the gospel. We are waiting. We have a stay-at-home order, but something's brewing. The fire is about to come to light something up, right? The seams of our society are cracking. Evil is rearing its head in vivid ways. Institutional, systemic injustices are highlighted right before us on social media, on the news. The divisions in our country in the church, in our world, are being revealed. The division in our nation is being revealed. And evil is highlighting that. Gasoline is being poured onto the the differences. And we are separate. And only a miracle can bring us together. And yet we're waiting in isolation. We're waiting to be let out. We're waiting to be set free. We're waiting to be safe again. We're waiting to gather and to touch one another. We feel disconnected. We're waiting to be connected. And the fire of the Spirit is coming. The fuego is spearing. Wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit to move in power, to blow up our paradigms, mind blown, to do something new, to bring something new, a renewal, a revival in our church, 
through the church, in the church, the Spirit is coming to unleash good news and the reign of God's kingdom in new and fresh ways. Old men will dream dreams. Young adults will have visions. Are you ready to be unleashed? Are you ready for the swell that's coming? You're in the ocean water. You're scared. You might drown. And this big swell is coming up behind you. And you're like, oh, crap. The swell is coming. And the wind is driving and blowing. The storm is coming. The fire burning in our hearts once again. Will you be available? Will you be ready? Will you say, what does this all mean? Or are you going to just say, that's stupid. They must be drunk. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. And thank you for the gift of the spirit that we live post-Pentecost. That we all have access to this power. And the power of the spirit doesn't, didn't just do miracles in Bible times. The power of the spirit has work at work doing amazing things, transforming hearts and lives and transforming communities and changing the world. And miracles happen all the time. Will you do a miracle in our own lives? And will you lift us up and empower us and send us out to the ends of the earth to participate in the crazy things that you're going to do with us, in us, through us? around us. We wait for you. We long for Pentecost in our hearts again. In Jesus' name, in the power of the Holy Spirit, amen.